I was out visiting the other day, and I met a lady that many of you know, who isn't far off turning 99, which means in 2024, she's going to be 100. But what will she be in 2034 or 2044? Like many of us in this room, she'll be dead. And a hundred years from now, we will all be gone, even the babies. It's a sobering thought. Uh, the comedian, I don't know if you know him, the comedian David Baddiel, he's an atheist, um, but he's just released a book called The God Desire, about how badly he wishes God did exist because he's terrified by the prospect of dying. He talks about the yawning infinity of extinction. It's terrifying, meaningless nothingness. He wishes death wasn't the end. But when it comes, chances are we will at least uh, pass away in a, a home or hospital under the care of nurses and made comfortable with painkillers. But 2,000 years ago, much like in certain parts of the world today, there was none of that. Death came with all its pain and horror right at home before the eyes of a helpless family. But then came Jesus, a carpenter from Nazareth who had this amazing power to heal the sick. And the crowds flocked to him. They brought their dying relatives, their epileptic son or, or paralyzed friend, and Jesus healed them all. All around him was life and health. He relieved people's suffering. At his touch, all sickness and disease disappeared. All you had to do was get to him in time. So when Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus became seriously ill in Bethany, they immediately dispatched some messengers up country to find Jesus and tell him, the one you love is sick. Which is a polite way of saying, please come, it's really bad. He's going to need a miracle. A number of us here recently have been very ill, or still are very ill. And that's often what we pray for. We ask Jesus for a miracle. But in this case, Jesus was a hundred miles away. No car, no bus. If Lazarus is going to be healed, Jesus is going to have to leave quickly. The only question is, will he make it in time? Is he going to get there? Have a look down with me. John chapter 11, verse 5. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He needs to hurry, but he delays. 
He delays for two vital days. And by the time he does leave for Bethany, he already knows. Look down with me at verse 14, just over the page. He already knows that Lazarus didn't make it. He says to his disciples, Lazarus is dead. When he finally arrives, Martha goes out to meet him. And she says to Jesus in, in verse 21, Lord, oh, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. If only Jesus had arrived while Lazarus was still alive, something could have been done. But not now. And then in verse 32, Mary also goes to speak to Jesus and she falls at his feet. She's crying. She's weeping. She's just lost the brother that she loved. And she says the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's why they sent for Jesus. He could heal the sick. And yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he deliberately stayed where he was two more days. Why did Jesus do that? Why not hurry? Two reasons. Firstly, because he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. This should be obvious in verse 6, except it's not, because the first word hasn't been very well translated. If we had the updated version of this translation, they fixed it. In the updated version of this translation, they have the word so or therefore. So verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He did it because he loves them. This is being done for their good. Second reason why he delays. To reveal his glory. Have a look with me at verse 4, right back near the start of the chapter. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. In other words, God is going to use this occasion to show everyone who Jesus really is, his own Son. And that matters because we read at the end of John's Gospel that it is only by believing that Jesus is the Son of God that we can have life in his name. Which is why Jesus says to his disciples in verse 15, for your sake I am glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe. Jesus' delay was an act of love. His plan was to do something far greater than healing so that we might believe in him and receive something much better than physical health. 
And so now come back with me to that moment outside Bethany when Martha comes to speak with Jesus. And she says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus replies in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Oh, what does he mean? Well, Martha thinks she knows. Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha believes in life after death. Lazarus will rise from death and she will see him again. But that is a distant day, the last day, a resurrection so far off, it isn't much comfort now. But resurrection is much closer than she thinks. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. The hope of resurrection isn't far off. He is speaking to her face to face. And he's going to prove it. After speaking to Martha and Mary, Jesus asks to be shown Lazarus's tomb. And as he walks with them and sees their tears, he bursts into tears as well. Jesus is moved by the awfulness of death and its impact on everybody there. But he didn't only weep. John tells us twice, Jesus was deeply moved. Outraged might be better outraged at death. Death, the enemy of his people, the power that haunts the hospice, the nursing home, the couple celebrating their golden wedding anniversary, the power that wipes out 62 million people a year. Death makes Jesus angry. So he squares up to the tomb. You can see in verse 38, and he says, take away the stone. But Martha interrupts. She still hasn't understood what Jesus has come to do. Lord, she says, by this time there'll be a bad odor. He's been there four days. Lazarus is properly dead. He's decaying. But Jesus looks at Martha and says, did I not tell you? that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. If anything could turn the people there that day into believers in Jesus as the Son of God, it's what happens next. Verse 41, they take away the stone, and then Jesus prays to God, first in his heart, and then out loud. Verse 41, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, 
come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Mary and Martha had asked Jesus to come quickly to heal the sick. Jesus went slowly in order to raise the dead. Can't get that on the NHS. So who is this Jesus then, this carpenter from Nazareth? He's well known as a, a healer, a teacher, but with just three words, Lazarus, come out. He has revealed a glory that outshines all the great people of the world combined. Here we have a man whose authority and command extends even over the realms of death. Lazarus's body had started to decay, yet he was raised healthy and fit. Biology is no boundary to Jesus. He is the Son of God. He does what only his Father can do. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Can there be a clearer, more emphatic and undeniable proof of his words than the public raising of Lazarus? The greatest scientists, philosophers, medics and magicians, priests, prophets, gurus and governments have never achieved what Jesus did with three words. And even with advances in modern technology, they never will. Perhaps one day we will be able to fend off death further and further into the future, live longer and longer and longer. But that will still be life this side of death. What Jesus gives is the life that has defeated death. Life where death is not in the future, but death belongs in our past. But we're not just supposed to be really impressed. That's not enough. I, I was kind of imagining, what would it be like if, if this happened today? If on your street someone knocked on the door and said, you won't believe it, but my brother was dead and this man came and he'd been dead four days. We were about to have the funeral and then this man came and he just said, you know, get up and, and now my brother's alive. It sounded really impressive. You'd think, oh yeah, wow, really? And say people really persuaded you. You might get excited about it, but quite possibly, after not very long, can you imagine people saying, oh, yeah, but pfft, like, you know, and it'd be so impressive, but it mightn't change the world. But the point is, we mustn't just be impressed for a bit. We're supposed to respond. Jesus said he had done this so that we would believe. 
so that we would put our trust in him. He said, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. If we believe in Jesus, that he's not just a carpenter, but truly is the son of God, then even though our bodies will die, we will continue to live in fellowship with him and his father. And when the last day comes, the day Martha was thinking of, then like Lazarus, Jesus will raise our bodies. But this time, he will raise us immortal. And that's what matters most. You may get cancer or dementia or heart failure. And like Lazarus, Jesus may not heal you. But if you believe in him, death lies defeated. For the believer in Jesus, death affects the body, but no longer the soul. If you believe in Jesus, your eternal life has already begun. Nothing can separate you from his love. Jesus says nothing can snatch you out of his hand, not even death. And that is why Jesus delayed, to reveal his glory so that we would believe in him. But raising Lazarus isn't the final revealing of his glory. It's not the complete revelation of who Jesus is. There is one final unveiling of his glory to come in John's Gospel. And it happens at the cross. We read in verse 45, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. The next verse says, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And they meet and they plot. And verse 53 tells us from that day on, they planned to kill him. Raising Lazarus from the dead will cost Jesus his life. What reveals Jesus' glory isn't primarily his power over death, but how he set that power aside in order himself to die for us. What reveals his glory isn't his ability to grant life, but how he paid for that life at the cost of his own. The one who is the resurrection and the life gave himself over to death so that we, by his death, could have life. He didn't just love Lazarus by raising him, but also by dying for him. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he said, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. What about you? Do you believe this about him? Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. In you, we have eternal life. Unconquerable hope. Eternal love from the Father. We thank you for revealing your glory. And as we come up to Easter, we pray that you would open our eyes to see your glory all the more, that we might believe and have our faith strengthened. And so continue on, or even enter into, for the first time, the life with God that you want to give. We praise you and thank you. Amen.